Thank you for being here. Uh, tonight's going to be really good. I would guess, if I'm just guessing, tonight is the chapter that transitions into what all of us want to know anyway. What does the end of time look like? Uh, I have tried to the best of my ability, and I hope it was good. I have tried to uh, do it in such a way to give to you what I believe, uh, not just because I was raised in a certain denomination, but what I've worked out over time. So things up until this point were methodically done to uh, hopefully build a premise on everything that we're going to build from this point on. So we can go back and make reference to what I said about time. Uh, God is outside of time. We're stuck in the bottom of time, a bottle of time, and everything God starts, He finishes. That was a, a key point. Another key point is that God looks at three types of people, the Jew, the Gentile, and the church, and we spent time talking about how the church is different. And those things are very critical. Last week we jumped in. If you didn't catch it, uh, they'll be posting the videos soon. But I just want to show you these. These are important to kind of show you where we are in the book of Revelation, which is now chapter 6 all the way through about chapter 19, this thing called the tribulation period. And then this 70th week of Daniel, which we talked about, just to kind of let you see it again of what is taking place and what we're going to be talking about. Again, the, uh, the precursor of the whole evening is that from this chapter on, you are going to find a myriad of beliefs, what people think to be true. We're speculating because it's, prof it's prophetic. So people speculate on what is what and what is this and what is that. I'll attempt to do the same. I'll give you what I think and what I feel. You can work out what you think and feel. And so I've tried to do it a little different. This is something that's on your sheet that I think is critical for really understanding where we're going in the rest of the chapters is that the thought that rebellion deserves wrath. Many times uh, a lot of Christians just assume that Revelation is about the devil and it's a book about the devil and what the devil is going to do, but really the book of Revelation is about Jesus and what Jesus is going to do, and the devil is factored in that, and I'll talk more about that tonight. Um, I spent a lot of time teaching this, so I won't belabor it again, but there's the lamb that's on the cross, and then there's the lamb that holds the scroll, and the, the consequence is you'll, you'll meet one of them. You'll either meet the Lamb on the cross through a profession of faith, putting faith in Christ Jesus and His work. And when you do, all of the wrath of God is absolved off of you and placed on the back of Jesus on the cross. However, for those that reject the Son of God, even though the cross has removed shame, because when Jesus died, it took all shame away, uh, the guilt of sin is still upon all. So when, when the Bible says Jesus has forgiven everybody, it's true. You're really forgiven. He holds nothing against you. That means all shame is eradicated. But if you don't receive his work, then the punishment of guilt is still there because that's what he told Adam. The day you eat, you die. Two things came out of that, shame and guilt. Shame, they ran and hid behind the trees because they were naked. And guilt... They got punished by God. So the work of the lamb has to deal with both of those. The lamb has to deal with shame. 
so you can come to God and not have to hide from him. And the lamb has to deal with guilt so you can have eternal life and not die. So the lamb on the cross removes shame for all. Anybody can come to him. Anyone can call out to him. And no amount of sin can keep you away from him. That's the work of shame taken on the cross. And if you believe in Jesus, wrath is removed. But if you don't, we find ourselves in the book of Revelation. So as terrible as we talk about the cross and the crucifixion of Jesus, the beating of Jesus, the death of Jesus, the, uh, you know, the impaling him on a wooden cross, we call it Easter, right? As, as terrible as that thought is, if you reject that, then the lamb with the scroll shows up and that wrath is just as terrible. And that's what we're going to talk about tonight. We're going to spend a lot of time in chapter 6 talking about the lamb with the scroll and the wrath that comes from that lamb, which is really weird because a lamb by its nature seems nice. So what we will deduce that the lamb holding the scroll, the lamb around the throne, this, this is not just God being ticked off at you and punishing humans because he's just really ticked. It's God fulfilling a promise that those that reject life get death. So really, it's just giving you what you deserve. He's a God of his word, and he said, if you reject me, you get death and not life. But I want to take a, a slight turn. I've kind of laughed at myself all week of just, God, you got to give me what to say because this is a very tough chapter and in doing it I want to give it to you a little different than maybe how you thought we would tackle uh, chapter 6 because maybe you thought we're going to tackle chapter 6 and tell you what the white horse is, the red horse, the black pale horse and all of that but I want to go a little different way. I want you to think about this first. Turn in your Bibles to Revelation 6 and if you have a Bible I would encourage you to open it up because we're going to be doing a lot of reading that will help you highlight and make notes even beyond your notes on the page. Verse 1, Now I saw when the Lamb opened one of the seals, and I heard one of the four living creatures say with a voice like thunder. And then this phrase was interesting to me because every seal that's about to open, with the exception I think number 5, has this phrase, come and see, from one of those four living creatures. So it makes me wonder, and the thing I wondered is, if John is in heaven and this seal, seal number one, breaks, and when seal number one breaks, we hear this message, come and see, as if, here's the weird thing, that what they're looking at was already here, but it was hidden. So... What, what I don't perceive is that when he broke the seal, a white horse started galloping out of heaven and galloped down through the clouds and galloped on the earth with a bow. And because some people believe that this first seal that we're going to talk about is Jesus, and we'll talk about that in a minute. But this phrase, come and see, and I just want you to have this thought, and here's the thought. What if the things that are about to transpire are already here? But now the events are going to be uncovered. You remember we've been talking all along that Revelation is an uncovering. It's a mystery that's revealed. 
So my thinking is, what if everything that has to transpire is already here, but there are things that are holding it back? Uh, one belief is, is that the church holds back the darkness. We're the light of the world. We hold, we're the pillar of truth. We're holding back evil. We're holding back darkness. And then the reason I think this is because of this thought. 1 John 4, 3. It's strange, but it, it fits with what I'm saying. And every spirit that does not confess that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is not of God. So now that every spirit that doesn't confess, if, and now if they don't confess Jesus has come in the flesh and they're not a God, what can we expect to happen to these people? Wrath. Is that not true? It, the wrath of the Lamb or the wrath of the Lamb on the cross. So if you don't believe Jesus has come in the flesh, meaning He came, He died on a cross, He was resurrected, He says you're not of God, and now watch this. This is the spirit of Antichrist, which is that 666 that's going to show up later in Revelation. It's that evil person we always talk about in the Bible. Who is the Antichrist? Which you have heard was coming, and just look at that phrase and let it soak in your brain place, and it's already here. That tells me that everything we're going to read in Revelation with the wrath of the devil, is already on our planet trying its best to work. It's already here in a spirit dimension working. The sad thing about Christians is we connect that spirit of Antichrist to humans. It must be Trump. It's probably Biden. I bet it's Hunter Biden. No, it's the Democrats. No, it was Obama. No, it's China. No, it's Russia. We're always looking for, I got to put a face with the evil. And what I believe right now, that's impossible to do because it's an undercurrent of spirituality that is working its magic, preparing for a moment for Lucifer to take over the world. So in a weird way, what we're about to open up and go, oh, the wrath of the devil, the Antichrist, the mark of the beast, 666, that spirit behind all of that is already on our planet working. And the last slide tonight, I pray, will open your mind to that in a very clear way and not just me throwing a verse up there. Here's the thought. The wrath of the Lamb with his scroll, has an antithesis. That means a counterpart, a, uh, an enemy, an adversary that, that is trekking the same as he's trekking. And it's the wrath of Satan with his angels. So we're going to look at two things tonight that I pray will open your mind to the entire book of Revelation and number one, it's the wrath of the Lamb and it's the wrath of Satan. Both of them show up. The problem is we get them confused and we try to mismatch each of them with what's going on, but both are working because one is a Christ and his wrath and the other is the Antichrist and his wrath. And just like the Lamb is bringing wrath for punishment of rebellion, so the Antichrist will bring wrath 
and punishment for rebellion. The rebellion here will be the rejection of the Christ. The rebellion here will be the rejection of the Antichrist. The wrath here will be the rejection of the Christ. The wrath here will be the rejection of the Antichrist. The result here will be the kingdom will come and will establish a kingdom. The result here is I will set up my kingdom and bring my kingdom which will utterly be destroyed, book of Daniel. So both are working and they're, and they're moving through the book, of Revela- the book of Revelation simultaneously. And they interweave themselves. And if you're not a student of the word, you get confused with what wrath is what, what's going on, is this the devil, is this Jesus, who's doing what, what angel's doing what, what horse is what. Is it white horse Jesus or the devil or the Antichrist or what is it? And it kind of throws you for confusion. So what I want to do tonight is I want to talk about these two wraths. I want to talk about the wrath of the Lamb with the scroll. And I want to talk about the wrath of Satan. So that perhaps out of this chapter tonight, if you gain one thing, you kind of gain an understanding of what the rest of this book is about. Because the rest of the book up to about chapter 20 is about this. It's about the wrath of a lamb and it's about the wrath of Satan, the Antichrist, colliding on earth to both bring about a kingdom. And they're both moving toward an end result. So let's look at it. Here's the thought. Now, the moment we talk about the lamb's wrath, what could we assume based on past teachings? that the Lamb's wrath would have to have a beginning. If it has a beginning, it would also have a what? All right, because everything God does has a beginning. If it has a beginning point, it has an end. Let's look at the beginning. Here's the beginning of it. We're going to study this in depth tonight. This is Revelation 6 at the very end. Fall on us and hide us from the face of Him who sits on the throne and from the wrath of the Lamb. So what we're going to understand about Revelation, it's not a book about the devil's anger. It's not even a book about the devil. We've made it about the devil. I wish over 30 years of pastoring I had more questions of could you tell me about the wrath of the Lamb than could you tell me who 666 is. We're obsessed to know the devil. Who is it? And my belief is if we were more obsessed to know the Lamb, it wouldn't matter who 666 is. Uh, because we would be good. (laughs) I know it's wonderful to try to figure it out, and we've been doing it since the writing of Revelation of who, who that is. For the great day of His wrath, and here's the word, has come. So there's a time in our future, and this is why I believe the book of Revelation is not just a historical book. Because what I'm going to share with you tonight, there's no way based on Scripture that Revelation could only be a book of history, meaning the chapters have already passed and it's just a historical book. It is a prophetic book, and I hope tonight to teach you it would have to be logically based on what we're going to read. So I don't believe that we've come to this, but the time is coming. And this is what we would say, when does it all start? When does this tribulation period start? But if there's a beginning... There's an end. It's not just perpetual. Uh, If the wrath of the Lamb starts, then the wrath of the Lamb will also stop. Revelation 15.1, we'll get this in the chapters ahead, but for tonight's teaching. And I saw another sign in heaven, 
Great and marvelous, seven angels having the seven last plagues. For in them, the wrath of God is what? Is complete. So I want you to understand about this book, it's not just the devil having a field day killing people. It's a completion of a promise made to Adam that if you disobey, you deserve to die. And once you grab that, that revelation is the fulfillment of a faithful God to honor His promise. Rebellion deserves death. I've given you an option of grace so that you don't have to die, but should you reject me, I still have to honor my truth. And so revelation is the honoring of God's Word to bring about death to those that have rejected Him, including the devil, including creation, and including people. All right? That's the lamb's wrath. Let's look at the devil's wrath. Uh, this is about the best way I could define it because when we think about it, this is it. <laughs> and I want to try to, I don't say a twist in a bad way, but I want you to think differently than the typical. This is the typical. A devilish fingered dragon with horns and beady little eyes and fire and all the exorcisms that come with it. But just to show you that this guy who is also wanting to be God, he's wanted to be God from the beginning. Before there was an Adam and Eve, he was fighting for the throne. That's the, that's the, leading, uh, the leading general of all rebellion. He was cast out of heaven, cast out of earth. He's called the God of the world. He blinds the minds of people who would believe. He's a murderer from the beginning, and he's the father of everything that's a lie. So with that in mind, this kind of fits the description, but I want to show you something about him. Revelation 12, 12. Therefore rejoice, which is weird, O heavens and you who dwell in them. I would just say, how could God download this verse to John and tell me to rejoice when he's about to tell me that the, the devil's about to come down with great wrath. And I want you to look that even God himself obviously sees two groups of people. Rejoice, O heavens, you who dwell in them. And I believe that is the righteous saints. I believe it's the church. But woe to the inhabitants of the earth, meaning there's still humans here, and the sea, for the devil has come down to you. And look at this having great wrath because he knows that he has a short time. And there's that word time again. There's something about the book of Revelation which ought to make you think because uh, New Testament scripture tells me things like this. Nobody knows the day or the hour. Nobody knows when Jesus will come. But it's seemingly here there must be something in the cosmos realm that the devil himself even knows his time is short. Because I believe that no man knows the day or the hours connected to the gathering of God's church in the time of his second coming, we can know down to the day. But he has great wrath. Listen to this. What would his wrath be? Now, typically when we think of Revelation, we have beheadings and killings, and that is true. Uh, he's going to annihilate a lot of people. But I want to give you a little twist because it'll 
help make sense at the end. Then I saw an angel, Revelation 20, coming down from heaven, having the key to the bottomless pit and a great chain in his hand. And he laid hold of the dragon, that serpent of old, who is the devil and Satan, and bound him for a thousand years and cast him into the bottomless pit and shut him up and set a seal on him so that he should do what? Deceive. The greatest power that Lucifer has is not to behead a Christian. If he does that, we win. Kills you, you're immediately with God. We kind of think that's his power, that his power will come. If you don't take the mark, I behead you. Great, behead me, I keep living. The greatest thing that he has going for him is not that he kills the people who reject him, but that he has the power to deceive people to receive him. And the Bible will say that uh, because of a lack of a love for truth, most of the world will be deceived. We have made his power magical, killing people, martyrdom, murdering people. But that's not his power. That's the beauty of the saint losing their life for the testimony of Jesus. The beauty is, is that he will deceive the nations to, to worship him, not reject him. The rejection is no power at all. You just reject him, he kills you. But how many people are going to actually bow down and worship him is astounding. Then this final, after a thousand years, we'll talk about this later. This is after the kingdom. After a thousand years expired, Satan will be released from his prison and go out to deceive the nations which are in the four corners of the earth, Gog, Magog, to gather them together, whose number is the sand of the sea. In other words, after a thousand years, there's so many humans left on the planet that have still been having babies and still living life for the thousand years that he's released which we'll talk about because that seems, if you've already got him chained up, why let him go? But God releases him, and what's the thing he does as soon as he releases? Deceive. So rather than thinking about this dude, which I think is the typical what most people think about the devil, and everything dirty and evil must be the devil, I would much rather you think about this although that's Penn and Teller, and he's not the devil. But I think when he comes, he won't come with a pitchfork and beady little eyes and a crooked tail and horns. He's going to come as a brilliant mastermind of world peace and religion. He will merge himself because he wants to be God. We'll teach this later. He desires to be God. He doesn't come on the scene spewing hate. He doesn't come on the scene with uh, all the vile of what we would think. That comes later. He comes on the scene like a magician. The world, the Bible says, will marvel after him. They will be captivated by his power. They will be taken captive by his supernatural ability of charisma. And it says that they will fall down and worship him and say things like, who could even make war against him? There's nobody like him. He's brought peace to us. He's the answer for the world's woes. He's the answer for all of humanity's problems. And then, hey, I need you to bow down and worship me because I am God. So this, to me, fits better with who the devil is than the typical Christian... Uh, painting on the Sistine Chapel of this 
horned pitchfork, kind of deviled red beady dude. I think he's going to be brilliantly disguised as a mastermind of world peace. And the world marvels after him. So much so that the majority of the world will call him God. Now here's the wisdom you need. Because it's about to get interesting. You need to understand when reading Revelation the following. Whose wrath are we talking about? The wrath of the lamb with his scroll or the dragon with his angels? That's Satan. They both show up. They both are working. They both are working a kingdom. They both are bringing about supernatural signs and wonders. They both are about God's people. God is to redeem them. One is to kill them. One is to redeem them. They both have the term Christ in their name, so they're both connected to to religion. They both are connected to the supernatural. They both are connected to miracles and power. They both are connected to Jerusalem and the Jewish people. They both are trying to set up a kingdom. They both have followers. So if you're not a student of the Bible, it gets really muddied on who's working the plan here. And I just want to maybe lay it to rest. The book of Revelation is not the devil working the plan. It's God's in charge the whole time. I know it feels like, and it's going to feel like the devil's in charge, but he's not. He's just doing what he's done all the time. He's deceiving now, he'll be deceiving then. He's killing people now, he's killing people then. He's beheading people now, he'll be beheading people then. He's taking nations with himself now, he'll take nations with himself. Nothing he's going to do in the future will be new. But he's working something because the spirit that's already here working is doing what? It's establishing a one rule leader that will be God. Just like we, the Christians, are here working by the Holy Spirit to establish a King of kings and Lord of lords, Jesus, who will rule and reign. So the Spirit of Antichrist is working through His children to bring about a kingdom that will claim this is the Messiah King. Both children are working for the same thing. The children of the Lamb are working to establish the rulership of His kingdom on the earth and the children of Satan are working to establish the kingdom on the earth. Even though, you know, we would be hard-pressed to tell anyone who wasn't a child of Jesus that they are Satan worshipers. Because he's so deceptive that he lets this little branch of Satan worshipers kind of be part of the extreme devil worshipers, seances, Uh, magic and witchcraft, but not to understand gossip, unforgiveness, jealousy. It's all the same. It's just he's so brilliantly to deceive us that we would never touch a Ouija board, but I would gossip. I would never watch Harry Potter, but I'll hold bitterness in my heart. That's how brilliant he deceives So when we talk about children of the devil, it would be hard to go, y'all are Satan worshipers. That just seems so weird. But they really are. 
It's just masked in deception so that right now it's called humanism. It's called liberal theology, leftist leaning, secularism. All of the things they teach you in the colleges, it's, it's a better name than Satan worshipers, humanism, feminism, all the isms, the Marxisms, communisms, all the isms. It's just better because we can write books about that stuff. We don't want to call it devil worship, but all the isms are just little isms to go to the, real, the reality of I'm trying to set a kingdom up here and I'm already working to do it. So if you don't understand the power of what's going on in America, wake up. We are one of the few remaining Christian nations, and yet people are defecting left and right because politics is more powerful than the kingdom. My political beliefs are more powerful than my kingdom beliefs. And we're just a messed up group of people. So let's look at the wrath of the Lamb. And here's the thought. The Lamb's wrath that we're going to start reading, having both the beginning and end, will come in, and here they are, and this is where I'm going to take you on a journey, in three successive waves to bring it all to a place of completion. Now, I've tried to do a good job, I hope I have, to tell you why I believe in pre-tribulation removal of God's people off planet Earth. And I'm not an escapist, so I don't believe I leave because I, I want to escape. But I've tried to teach why I believe what I believe. Tonight, I would just challenge any of you that are mid-tribbers or post-tribbers. It's not to put you down. I don't care what you believe. But I pray that what I share with you tonight would at least make you, make you scratch your head and go, I might need to rethink this thought of will I really be here as one of God's kids to go through what we're about to go through. So the three successive waves, and we're going to look at all of them tonight, are going to come with seven seals. And I call them successive because some people teach that all of it's happening at the same time. It's just everything's kind of just a repeat. I don't believe that's true because the seventh one is always the beginning of the next list of seven. So we have to get rid of six before we can start the next group of seven. So it seems to me, not just by the way it reads chronologically through the Bible, first the seals, then the trumpets, then the bowls, logically I can't have the seven trumpets until I have the seventh seal because the seventh seal releases the seventh trumpets and then the seventh trumpet releases the seven bowls. So for me, I think it's chronological. It's a group of seven, and it ends, and then we start another group of seven, and what happens with every beginning? There's an end. And then the third group of seven, which brings us to the completion. Now, I, I put down at the bottom my opinion, so I'm not saying I can back it up scripturally. I think I could try, and I, I feel like I could do okay, but I didn't have enough time to do that for you tonight, so I'll, I threw it up there for you to think about it. Because God has to bring wrath to rebellion, I believe the first seven seals that are released are to bring wrath upon people. The second set of uh, judgments are the trumpets, which you'll see are more wrath on creation. And then the final seven bowls are the wrath poured out on the devil's kingdom. 
So to creation that is in despair because of Adam's rebellion, to people who have rejected, to the devil's kingdom, which also has people in it. And in my studies, I just... I kind of feel like that's what's going on. There's going to be a, pe- a lot of people, then, then creation is going to have a meltdown, and then the devil's kingdom has a meltdown, all to the, la- the wrath of the Lamb. So turn in your Bible to Revelation 6 and get ready to go through it with me because we'll go through it rather fast because we're going to look now in about the next 25, 30 minutes, we're going to look at the 21 judgments that are about to come. But I want you to read a a verse on the screen that I pray will, your mind will explode in understanding by the end tonight off this verse. Let me read it. Then comes the what? When he, Jesus, delivers the kingdom to God the Father and when he puts an end to all rule and authority, all authority and power. For he, Jesus, must reign until he has put all enemies under his feet. The last enemy that will be destroyed is what? All right, now ponder this. If you're death and you're the last enemy to be destroyed and you're working for the devil's team and you know your time is short, what could we expect to happen here in the end concerning death? Going to be a lot of it. Because I got a job to do. I got to kill as many people as I can kill. I got to destroy most of the planet because my time is short. And this is an enemy of God. So now, if I know there's a Christ and there's an Antichrist, I now know what the wielding power of the Antichrist is is going to be death. That's why it's called a murderer, John 8, a murderer from the beginning. His job is death. That's why the first thing of sin was Cain killing Abel, murder. It's the outworking of death is murder. So what we're going to see start playing out through the tribulation period is a lot of murder, a lot of killing, and a lot of death. So let's go through it. I'm not trying to disappoint you. I want to inspire you, but it is rather, it is rather shocking. Revelation chapter 6, let's read. And I saw the lamb open the seals, and I heard one of the four living creatures saying with a loud voice, Come and see. And I looked, and behold, a white horse. He who sat on it had a bow and a crown and was given to him, and he went out conquering and to conquer. The first seal that breaks, and again, I mean, I guess traditional would be, tell me who the white horse is. I'd love you to study Zechariah 1 and Zechariah 6. Zechariah chapter 1 and Zechariah chapter 6 are the only other places in the Bible that talk about multicolored horses and they're talked about in relationship to serving the purposes of God. So whatever this horse is, some people believe it's Jesus, I don't because I believe Jesus is holding the scroll and he wouldn't hold the scroll and ride the horse at the same time. Plus another white horse is coming at the end of Revelation. Most believe this is the Antichrist coming, the white horse is the Antichrist. I did my best to study that out. I can't find anywhere in the Bible that would say this is the Antichrist that's coming, but many people believe it is. Here's what I would just like to say. Rather than defining who the horse is, let's just leave it at this. There are spirits working on our planet right now that are working for the Antichrist, and they're hidden, and they're about to be revealed in the last time, 
So when the seal opens up, what we do know begins to happen is a conquering of people. Now, how could a devil start conquering people? You remember what he said? He comes to do what? Deceive. I'm going to conquer through deception. What is deception? Deception is you're 100% wrong, but you feel 100% right. That's deception. I'm married to wife A. I've fallen in love with secretary B. Secretary B must be my soulmate because she feels like it. That's deception. Deception is you think it's right, you can prove it's right, but it's 100% wrong. There will come, seal one, a conquering of people. Seal two. When he opened the second seal, I heard the second living creature say, come and see. There's that phrase again. And a horse, fiery red, went out, and it was granted to the one who sat on it to take peace from the earth and that people should begin to kill one another. And there was given to him a great sword. So as the seals begin to pop, what we will notice is a conquering of people through deception. That's the bow with no arrow. And we will start seeing a rage of people starting to kill people. Now, this has already happened. How many of you know this is already happening on our planet? Yeah, just go look at Philadelphia last night. This is crazy. Proof to you that this Antichrist spirit is already here. But this is different because now it's escalated as we're moving toward the end and everything is heightened. It's not just 32 people got killed in Chicago, even though that spirit of Antichrist is working for people to kill people. This horse that is loosed, or I should say better yet revealed, is that there is coming an understanding that we're moving toward an end now. I still don't know if this is really the wrath of God yet, but it's the beginning of it. It's the opening up of it. It's the revelation that something is happening globally that has never happened before. A.K.A. anybody alive in the room today, are you seeing things globally that you've never seen happen before? Okay, good. Most of you. The third one. When he opened the third seal, I heard the third living creature say, Come and see. So I looked, and behold, a black horse... And he who sat on it had a pair of scales in his hand. And I heard a voice in the midst of the four living creatures saying, A quart of wheat for a denarius and three quarts of barley for a denarius and don't harm the oil and the wine. The third seal that will bring will be an opening, an inundation of a lack of food for people. Already in America right now they're talking about that there will be a crisis of food that is soon to hit our nation. It's because of coronavirus and all the stuff we were getting from China to help package food and deliver food. Uh, those that work in the grocery industry are saying things are starting to shift in a very weird way concerning food. If you don't believe this is possible, most of us went nuts over toilet paper. Can you imagine if, if Publix has no food? Ingalls has no food. Kroger has no food. Piggly Wiggly has no food. Walmart has no food. Sam's has no food. None of the trucks can bring any food. How long before you think we lose our ever-loving sanity when nobody's eating anything? We were ticked off over toilet paper. Just let me go a week watching my children starve to death and watch how chaos will ensue. I mean, literally, we don't have that in America yet. We've not had that... 
uh, revelation, but just go watch any videos where a country is starving and they come, United Nations drops food. Man, they literally destroy each other to get a handful of grain, a handful of rice. But there's coming a time in this wave because wrath is going to start coming against people and against creation. Seal number four. When he opened the fourth seal, I heard the voice of a fourth living creature say, Come and see. So I looked, and behold, a pale horse, and the name of him who sat on it was Death. And Hades followed with him, and power was given them over a fourth of the earth to kill with sword, with hunger, with death, and with the animals of the earth. The fourth seal, one quarter of the earth's population will die off. That's 1.75 billion people by the time we get to the fourth seal. Now here's what we know. We only have seven years to pull this off and we got 21 seals in seven years. I, my belief is that these first seven happen in the first three and a half years and then it's an exponential. These first seven are going to get us to what we would call mid-tribulation. This kind of starts the process. It kind of releases the spirit of Antichrist to begin to go forth and do his work and bring peace and start working his magic on the earth. But one thing we do know, the first set of seven, 1.75 billion people on planet earth will be gone. Now, that's more than every war, every war we've ever had. Every modern war. I, it's, it's even hard for our brain to even grab it. A quarter of the earth's population dead. I don't even know where we would bury him and how we could have that many funerals. Seal 5. When he opened the fifth seal, I saw under the altar. I think these are different than just the church because they're under the altar, not around the throne. The souls of those who had been slain for the word of God and for the testimony which they held. They cried with a loud voice, How long, O Lord, holy and true, until you judge and avenge our blood on those who dwell on the earth? Then a white robe was given to each of them, and it was said to them that they should rest a little while longer until both the number of their fellow servants and their brothers, I believe this is to the Jews, most of these I think are Messianic Jews that have decided to really turn to God and those that have decided to trust Him, who would be killed as they were completed. So these are not just average Christians. These that are under the altars are those that have been beheaded because they chose to believe in Jesus. So seal number four is the cries of martyrs and yet there's a ton more to come. They're going to annihilate most anybody that has faith after this point will die. From what I can gather, not many that come to faith in Christ after this point will die a normal death. They'll be beheaded and find themselves in an eternal realm that way. They have to be martyred to get in. The sixth seal. I looked, and when he opened the sixth seal, I behold, there was a great earthquake. The sun became black as sackcloth of hair, and the moon became like blood. The stars of heaven fell to the earth as a fig tree drops its late figs when it's shaken by a mighty wind. The sky receded as a scroll when it rolled up, and every mountain and island was moved out of its place. And the kings of the earth, the great men, the rich men, the commanders, the mighty men, and every slave and every free man hid themselves in caves and in the rocks of the mountains. And said to the mountains and the rocks, Fall on us and hide us. Here's the first time it's mentioned. Hide us from the face of him who sits on the throne and from the wrath of the Lamb. For the great day of his wrath has come. 
Here's what we know. Seal 6 is the beginning point of the wrath of Jesus. And we see humans running for their life. Hide me. Every, every mountain is laid bare. At Mount Fuji, gone. Mount Everest, gone. Mount McKinley, gone. All of the mountains of the earth are laid bare. Every island sinks into the ocean. It doesn't sound very romantic, does it? This thought that we're all going to make it to this point, when they're running, going, hide me, fall on us, protect me, I can't get away from him, put me in a cave. And yet there's this weird belief that if I'm a Christian, I'll be able to go get some land in Kentucky and hide out for seven years. That's just ludicrous to me. That, that you think you're going to go through it as a Christian and be able to go get a little piece of land somewhere with a generator and outlast this when it says here we're not even, we're not even in seven in yet. We're at six in and creation starts killing people off. Where do you go when creation is killing you? Where do you go when the animals are attacking you? Where do you go when the stars are falling from the sky? Where do you run then? And so it becomes this really strange thing, and this is what it says. At this point, it says, now the great day of the wrath has come. Now what's about to happen is going to be astronomical because what is the last enemy to be destroyed? Revelation chapter 8, 1. Revelation chapter 8, 1. It gives us the seventh seal. And we'll talk about this in a minute. But this is the beginning. This is that end of, end of the seals and the beginning of the next because seal number 7 is Revelation 8.1. When he opened the seventh seal, there was silence in heaven about a half an hour and I saw seven angels who stand before God and to them were given trumpets, seven trumpets. Again, the number seven is the number of finishing. A number seven is the number of rest. A number seven is the number of completion. So this move of the first seven seals brings us to this. I gave you a map. This is what it will look like after the first wave. If 1.75 billion people are dead, that's all of North America, all of South America, and all of Europe. That's how many people die in wave one. Now, I don't know if it's going to be that neat. I think it is, if I'm just thinking I think it's going to be this neat because as we go through it, wave two, you'll see something even more interesting. But if it happens this neat, it's really weird for one reason because I do know this. After all the waves hit, the only piece of land left is the Middle East, according to the end of Revelation. Everything else is finished. So for the people that think, I can make it to mid-trib... You just, you're going to run out of a lot of real estate and good luck if you can find where to go to not die. Because I'm just assuming by this map, Africa never got anything thrown at them or all these other places. I just did it based on population. Population of North America, population of Middle Latin, population of South America, population of Europe, and that averaged up to about 1.75 billion people. And that's wave one. Wave one of death. That's how many people are dead. We're not even counting all the stuff. This is just dead human beings. Right now on planet Earth, there's about 7.4, 7.6 billion people. We annihilate a quarter of them. Why? Because wrath, rebellion deserves death. And when you rebel against me, 
you die. Wave two are the trumpets. Let's look at them. Turn to Revelation chapter 8, verse 6, trumpet number one. The first angel sounded his trumpet. This is wave number two. The first angel sounded, and, and hell and fire followed, mingled with blood, and they were thrown to the earth, and one-third of all the trees were burned up, and all of the grass was burned up. So now there's not going to be anything to feed any animals if any animals are left because all the grass is gone, so we can't grow hay. We can't have anything for any cattle. There's going to be nothing to eat. Most of the trees are burned up, one-third of all trees. If most trees are burned up, there goes a lot of oxygen because it's really the trees that... uh, This is Science 101, but you can see it's really starting to get iffy here. Just with the amount of oxygen needed on the planet, if one-third of all the trees are gone and all the grass is gone. Second trumpet. The second angel sounded and something like a great mountain burning with fire was thrown into the sea and a third of all the sea became blood. And a third of the living creatures in the sea died and a third of all the ships were destroyed. So now we're understanding that the wrath of the Lamb is not just on creation and on humans, even to ships. So all this thinking that, oh, it's going to be a battle of warfare. Oh, there's going to be atomic bombs dropped and nuclear warhead and submarine. God's going to get rid of all of them. I don't believe by the time we get to the end, there's going to be any nuclear war. We already lost every mountain and every island in the first set of seals. Earthquakes happening everywhere. So I'd imagine most underground nuclear warhead are going to be totally obliterated, not usable. And now one-third of the ocean is not usable. And a matter of fact, I just went ahead and destroyed all the ships. Now, I don't know why that means a lot to God, but obviously God's just looking at all these artilleries and all these ships of these nations and like, you know what, let's just get rid of them all. So I don't know if when the oceans turn to blood, they all just sink because they they have no buoyancy, but he gets rid of all of them. The third trumpet. The third angel sounded and a great star fell from heaven burning like a torch, and it fell, a th- fell on a third of the rivers and on the springs of water. The name of the star is Wormwood, and a third of all water on planet Earth became bitter, and many men died from the water because it was made bitter. One-third of the trees gone. One-third of the sea creatures and ships destroyed. One-third of all the water and river destroyed. So wherever you want to camp out during mid-trib, for you post-tribbers, I want to be post-trib, I'm going to go through the whole thing, man. You need to really get with God and ask Him where you need to go in the world so that you can have good water. Because one-third of all the water and river on planet Earth is going to be destroyed. Now, He could take care of you. He could give you fresh water like He's done before. But just think this through. Because most people, when they think post-trib, 10 acres of land, in the mountains, off-grid, I'm okay. And I just think it's ludicrous to think that way. Because you're looking at it from the devil's coming to get us versus God's pouring out his wrath. And there's no way to escape this. You might can get away from the devil. You can escape him. You can't escape an all-knowing, all-seeing, all-powerful God. You get away from the devil, he can't be everywhere at one time. Trumpet number four. The fourth angel sounded and a third of the sun was struck, a third of the moon, a third of the stars, and a third of them were darkened. A third of the day did not shine and likewise the night. 
And I looked and heard an angel flying through the midst of heaven saying with a loud voice, Woe, woe, woe to the inhabitants of the earth because the remaining blasts of the trumpets and the three angels that are about to sound. In other words, it's about to get ugly. I thought this was ugly. One third of the celestial bodies now dark. One third of the sun gone. That means we're going to have a freeze over. You won't be able to see. Everything begins to die. We're not talking about an eclipse. That's different. The sun is still there. It's blocked by the moon. We still get the heat. We still live. One third of the entire sun is cut off. That means we're going to freeze. That means things are going to start dying off. There will be no heat. There will be no life. We will start going into everything that remotely needed light to live. I want to grow stuff. I want to grow my own corn. I've got me a beautiful thing, but I can't grow corn now because one third of the sun's light is gone and I need light to grow my crops. Oh God, now I can't even grow crops. So this thinking that post-trib I'm going to be able to grow my crops is a little ludicrous if one-third of the sun is gone. I mean, just science 101, if we get rid of one-third of the sun, you're not going to live. We're going to die off. I don't know how long we'll die off, but I don't think we're going to be sitting out in Hawaii going, man, it's hot out here. One-third of the sun gone is going to be a pretty hellacious time on planet Earth and the moon and the stars. That means that I won't even be able to navigate I won't even be able to look at the North Star and go, I think that's north. I won't even see the North Star. That means I'll be lost. I won't know which way to go. I won't be able to navigate. I won't be able to turn. GPS won't work. Because if one-third of the moon is gone and one-third of the sun is gone and the GPS that I need to navigate to the magnetic North Pole won't work, everything begins to go chaotic. All of our technology begins to go chaotic. Everything just begins to swirl around. And in my thinking is, I'm going to have gas for my generator. Where are you going to get the gas from? If every island is gone and every mountain is gone and the ocean is turned to blood, where are you going to get all this stuff from? Where are you going to get your water from? Where are you going to get... And so this thinking that I'm going through all of this, again, I'm not opposed to it if you want to go, but it just doesn't seem logical to me that my Heavenly Father is going to leave me behind through this. The fifth trumpet, the fifth angel sounded, chapter 9. And I saw a star fallen from heaven. To him was given the key to the bottomless pit, and he opened the bottomless pit, and smoke rose out of the pit like the smoke of a great furnace. So the sun and the air were darkened because of the smoke of the fire. In other words, it'll be hard to breathe. Then out of the smoke, locusts came up on the earth, and to them was given power, and the scorpions of the earth have power. They were commanded not to harm the grass of the earth or any green thing or any tree, but only those men who do not have the seal of God on their forehead. They were not given authority to kill them, but just to torment them for five months. Their torment was like the torment of a scorpion that strikes a man, and in those days... Men will seek to die, but they won't be able to find it. They'll desire to die, but death will flee from them. In other words, people will want to commit suicide, but because God is working wrath, He won't let you die. He will hold back the ability to die. You will suffer. You'll think, I can just put a gun to my head and pull the trigger. You won't be able to. Death will elude you. Even if you shoot yourself, you won't die. Death will elude you because the spirit of death will be held back for five months to torment people so that humans will know what it feels like to be tormented. So trumpet number five, there's a five months of torment where nobody can die. 
So whatever demons are let loose, you need to know once we pass mid-trib, we're not just talking devil now. We're talking demons. We're talking creations going chaotic. Devils are chaotic. Everything on the planet is moving to darkness. Everything on the planet is moving to death. Everything on the planet is going. And again, I'm just going to throw out there, do you really believe that God is going to leave some billion people called Christians of His church behind to make a statement here? Oh, look at us. He won't touch us. This isn't even about me and you anymore. This is about his Jewish people. This is about the kingdom of Lucifer. And this is about the people that have rebelled against me. And I'm in charge now. And I'm going to work my wrath. And you'll understand now when we're done with this, you will be thankful for the wrath of the Lamb on the cross. You're like, thank God I believe. And he's given me opportunity to believe. Trumpet number six. Verse 13 of Revelation 9. The sixth angel sounded a trumpet, and I heard a voice from the four horns of the golden altar, which is before God, saying to the sixth angel who had the trumpet, Release the four angels who are bound at the great river Euphrates. So the four angels who had prepared for an hour and a day and a month and a year were released to kill another third of mankind. And now trumpet six, one-third more of humans on the planet are dead. If we're already down from 7.5, we got rid of 1.75 million, billion, and now we lose a third of that is another 1.75 billion. In these next six plagues, we're now down to nearly half the entire planet Earth. Humans are gone. Nothing they can do about it. They can't run from it. They can't hide from it. And then the final trumpet, Revelation 15, 15. Revelation, there's some interludes. We'll talk about all the interludes between all these waves, but I wanted to deal with all the waves tonight. Revelation chapter 15, I think it's the next one. It is the releasing, verse 5, it is the releasing of the bowls where he comes in and the seventh trumpet is the destruction of everyone who destroys the earth. So here's what the map looks like after we go through wave number two. Here's what the map looks like now. According to the amount of people that are dead now, 3.5 billion are dead. Based on statistics, that's all of North America, all of Greenland, all of the European islands, all of Europe, all of Africa, all of Australia, all of Central America, and all of South America population-wise. Again, moving toward this final battle, you remember when we went through it, we told you the little bitty piece of land over in Israel. So whatever's going on, that final piece of land is going to be left. And it's very important because it's going to say the kings of the east will march to do war. So what we're going to find is all the kings of the east are going to be left alive to march. So that's why I kind of pushed everything this way because all the kings of the east are going to begin to march. So my belief is that God is methodically working a plan where death is slowly moving from the west, moving toward his people... And death is going to come from the east working toward his people. Death are going to come from both directions toward his people, from the east and the west. 
From the, from the east is going to come all the death of the wrath of the Lamb. From the west is going to come the wrath of the Antichrist. The Christ is going to be working death toward Jerusalem from the west. The Antichrist is going to be working death and wrath toward Jerusalem from the east. That's just my belief. You don't have to believe it. Uh, but based on the wars that are going to come at the end of Revelation, it kind of feels like it should make sense to me. But again, at this point we would be sort of what we would call past mid-trib and moving toward the end. So for the post-tribbers, you know, people that believe, which is cool, not against that, you would just have to look at this map and go, a third of the entire oceans are gone. 3.5 billion people are gone. No water, no sun, little moon, no stars, all sea creatures dead, all ships gone, all river water's gone, one-third of the fresh water, one-third of all the river's gone, and we just think we're going to be able to hide? That's why I'm trying to really bring home pre-trib to me is not about escapism from the devil. Pre-tribulation pre rapture to me is God bringing the church to himself because death is coming. And you've been delivered from a spirit of death. Death has no right over you, no hold over you, no privilege over you. And death will be working. Because the last enemy to be destroyed is what? And look at this map of the globe. What do you see two-thirds of the globe having have happened? Death. The enemy is working. The last enemy that Jesus will ever destroy is in wide open mode. I'm going to annihilate 3.5 billion of these people, and I'm not even to the final yet. i got seven more to go. But death is working, and death is moving, and there's nothing humans can do about a spirit of death. They can't hide. They can't run from it. They can't get away from it. It works too much. Let's look at wave three. We'll take it pretty quickly. Revelation 15, 1. I saw another sign marvelous, and the seven angels had seven last plagues, for in them the wrath of God is complete. If you really want to study it, and I'll let you for the sake of time, you can read Revelation chapter 16. Revelation chapter 16 now is what we call the bowl judgments. And now seven bowls of God's wrath are going to be the third wave of death that is poured out upon rebellious Mankind. Most of these bowls are going to deal with the kingdom of Antichrist and those that have rebelled. Let's run through them. Plague number one. Foul, malignant sores begin to break out on everyone. So the first angel poured out his bowl and foul and loathsome sores came upon all the men who had the mark of the beast and who worshipped his image. Plague number 2, verse 3 of Revelation 16. The second angel poured out his bowl on the sea, and it became as blood of a dead man, and every living creature in the sea died. All the seawater turns to blood. The third bowl, verse 4. Then the third angel poured out his bowl on the rivers and springs and waters, and they became blood. The third seal. All fresh water now is gone. So here's what we know about the bowls. If every bit of fresh water is gone, we've got about how much longer to live on planet Earth? About a, about a week. Uh, humans can't go more than seven, eight days, ten days without water. 
So once we're at this point, we're down to about the last week. And we'll study this out. I just want you to see it. So once we get to a place there's no more water on the earth, every bit of fresh water is gone, we are at the end of de the devil's kingdom. And when we get to this point, it will be coming like quick because he knows his time is short. Water's gone. If water's gone, everybody fighting, everybody in war, thirst will take them over within three to five days. They'll be dead on the battlefield. Plague number four, verse eight. Then the fourth angel poured out his bowl on the sun and power was given him to scorch men with fire. In other words, now the sun magnifies its heat and begins to burn people up. And men were scorched with great heat and they blasphemed the name of God who had power over all these plagues, but they still wouldn't repent or give him glory. You would think after all this, when the remaining humans are scorched by the sun, that most people say, I give up, I repent. The Bible says they're even more ticked at God and they refuse to repent. They still won't turn. So even here, by the time we get to this point, God still wants you to know it's not because he's mad. He wants every man everywhere to repent. My belief is if they would repent here, he would take them. But they won't. They refuse to. Why? They're so deceived. They're under the power of the Antichrist. We'll talk about all that later. The fifth bowl. The fifth angel poured out his bowl on the throne of the beast and his kingdom became full of darkness and they gnawed their tongues because of the pain and they blasphemed God of heaven because of their pain and their sores, but they still would not repent of their deeds. Plague five, darkness and sores come on all of Satan's kingdom. Everybody who took the mark of the beast breaks out in painful sores. Their skin begins to rot. They, uh, they can't get the pain to go away. Plague number six, the sixth angel sounded, verse 12 of Revelation 16. He sounded his bowl, his trumpet, and it said, The great river Euphrates dried up so that the way of the kings from the east might be prepared. That tells me at this point right here, the kings of the east are still alive. There's something going on. And they're starting to march. Now, I, I, I don't imagine they'll march in a day or two days because if there's no water left, there's not, unless they've been storing up water because there's already been a shortage on the earth and everybody's smart enough to save up water. I don't know. But plague number six is there starts coming demonic preparations of war. Demons are released to begin to do, do war. It says the spirits go out when the water dries up and they begin to move on the kings of the earth. And then the seventh bowl, verse 17. The seventh angel poured out his bowl into the air and a loud voice came out of the temple of heaven saying, It is done. Aren't you glad God's finished? He doesn't have much left to do. I've destroyed the water. I've destroyed the oceans. I've destroyed all the animals. I've destroyed most of humans, all of the cosmic, all of everything, the stars, the sun and the moon. Yeah, I think I'm done. And now there's coming an annihilation to Lucifer's kingdom. And there were noises and thunders and lightnings and there was great earthquakes, such as a mighty and great earthquake as has not occurred since men were on the earth. Verse 21, and ev 20, and every island fled away and all the mountains were not found and great hell fell from heaven upon men, the hailstones that were the weight of 75 pounds and men blasphemed God because of the plague of hell. And the plagues were extremely great. All of the earth is utterly shaken. 
Can you imagine being on planet earth and 75 pounds of ice dropping out of heaven? Lord, I don't even like golf ball size hell. It ruins my house and my car. 75 pounds worth? Where am I going to run? Where am I going to go? So this is after wave three. And this is what we would call post-trib. So for those that would say, I'm a post-tribber, then you've made it to this point. I don't know where you live. I don't know what you drink. I don't know what you eat. I don't know how you made it, but if you did, I'm proud of you. And if I got to go through it, I'm going to probably try to get out quick because I'm not going to make it. I mean, I guess I could, but I don't see how. I make a joke now when me and Chris laugh about it. I'm like, dude, if, if it's post-trib, I got about a week worth of food, I'm out. I don't, I can't even grow things. I can't grow grass in my yard, much less crops. <laughs> so I'm not anti-post-trib. I just want you to see why it doesn't make sense to me. Where are you going to be? Now, if you have the theology that I'm going to be over there in America, up in Kentucky, and God's going to take care of me and give me ravens and water to drink, then I'm okay. I don't, I don't mind that. But there's billions of us on the planet called Christians. So, and I'm not opposed to that either. I guess God could do it. But all of the ocean is dead. It's blood. All of the animals are dead. All of the water's gone. Most of the sun is now dark. And that dark phrase is the kings of the east. That is where ancient Babylon is going to be set up. The little yellow dot in the middle is Jerusalem. That's where the final battle is going to take place. But that extra place that has living people, here's what we know about it. It's filled with demons. It's filled with darkness. It's filled with evil. It's filled with sores. It's filled with demonic spirits and 75-pound hailstones. So let's all go that way. I really want to live there because at least there's not death there. And God goes, yeah, there's no death there, but what's there is foul, malignant sores. You'll be scorched by the sun. It'll be full of demonic spirits and 75-pound hailstones. Feel free to hang out. No matter where you go, you won't win. Because this isn't about you. It's about God. This thing is about me, the church. It's not about you anymore. It's about you right now. This is your opportunity to shine. This is your opportunity to preach. This is your opportunity to win souls. But there will come a time where God says, you're done, it's my time now, and I will end this thing of my wrath. And you won't stop it. Nobody can stop it. Once the seal is broken, it comes like clockwork. And it's just a, a terrible thing. Let's end here. I went a little long, but I want to finish with one slide of the devil's wrath. This is taken from Revelation 12, 13. Those two chapters. This is taken from the thinking that the spirit of Antichrist is already here. We're going to study this in depth. So I'll give it to you quickly, but we will study it in depth in Revelation chapter 13. But Revelation 12 and 13, the devil shows up with great wrath. We read that scripture. His time is short. A beast rises up out of the ocean. And so I wrote down seven tricks, and I call them tricks because he's a deceiver. They're not wrath. They're, they're, he's called wrath, but he tricks people. And I wrote down seven tricks that I read in Revelation 12 and 13 
in a weird way. They're already happening now because the spirit of Antichrist is here. But in Revelation 13, they're happening exponentially, moving a global pan. Trick number one is there will be verbal abuse to shame. He will speak vile obscenities toward God's people. There already right now in our country is a spirit of verbal abuse. I can't believe you don't wear your mask. I can't believe you do this. I can't believe you voted Democrat. I can't believe you vote for Trump. I can't believe, I can't believe verbal abuse coming nonstop. And the abuse that should be freedom of speech is tied to shame. Oh, I'm sorry, I didn't mean to vote for Trump. Oh, forgive me, I didn't vote for Biden. Oh, I'm so sorry, I didn't post a black square. Please forgive me for not wearing a mask. Oh, verbal abuse riddled to shame is what's going to be released exponentially. Right now, you're just getting a wind of it. It's a wind right now. How dare you not post a black square or how dare you post a black square? You don't win either way. How dare you vote for Trump? How dare you not vote for Trump? If you're a Christian, you should vote for him. My God, how could any Christian vote for Trump? It's nothing more than a demonic spirit. And we get caught right up in the middle of it, which is just ludicrous. It makes me want to go eat Mexican food. <laughs> Trick number two, he will make peace with the Jewish people. You think he's going to be murdering people first. No, 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 no. He's going to be bringing peace. They're going to say peace and safety. They're going to call him their Messiah. Right now, President Trump has already signed five peace deals with the Middle East and Jerusalem. Could he be the Antichrist? I don't know, but open your eyeballs and watch. Five peace deals have already been signed. Somebody, well, he couldn't be. I don't know. I'm not going to be that stupid. I don't want to be so stupid that I'm trying to figure out who it is and who it is. All I know is what I read, verbal abuse will be on the scene, moving to shame, and whoever this leader antichrist dude is or woman or whatever is going to make a peace deal with Jewish people so he can set up a temple to get worship. Number three, there'll be an establishment, this is Revelation 13, of government control over health issues. He will control the economy, he will control all government affairs. And it will be based on health because he's going to be shot in the head and raised from the dead, meaning he has supernatural health. And he will tie that into government control. You will be refused if you don't worship him. You can't buy, you can't sell, you can't do anything. So he might have some control over water since all this stuff is going on with water. He might be selling water, selling food. We don't know, but we do know that there will be a government control over the earth. How many of you have been alive long enough, this first time since I've been alive, that the entire global economy has been shut down and controlled? And don't you think it's about China or America. It is about a demonic kingdom that is working to put people in deception to think that government control is for your safety and health. It's not for your safety and health. It's so the devil can get into our brain to control us to do whatever the government tells me to do. Why? Because I need you to think that way so when I tell you to do it, you'll worship me. He's working. You think it's about a mask. You think it's about a virus. Yes, it is about corona. And yes, it is about a virus. But it's connected to cultural shame and cultural health and cultural sensitivity and government mandates and government control. Why? Because this is what he's doing. I felt like I got mad right there. I didn't mean to get mad. Number four, I'm sorry. I just hate the devil. 
You will be required to yield your freedoms to maintain peace. You will either worship him, and if you don't, I'll kill you. You'll yield your freedom to me, or I'll chop your head off. Right now in America, in many states, there is an establishment of government control tied to health. You can't even go to Thanksgiving with two people. You can't go to grandma's funeral. You can't sing out loud. You have to eat with a mask on. And now there's a yielding of freedoms to maintain peace. Yeah, I guess I'll just go home and sit in my house because the government told me to. I guess I'll just sit here and not do anything. Yeah, just shut my business down, shut everything down. Because that's what they told me. Because if I'll yield all my freedoms, it'll maintain peace. I don't really care what you do. It's America. You want to stay in, you don't. You want to wear a mask, you do. I don't really care. Just understand there's a spirit of antichrist. And this isn't about Trump or Biden or Schumer or China. It's a devilish spirit that's working on planet Earth to move people into chapter 12 and chapter 13 of Revelation where you'll be so accustomed to yielding your freedom to give peace that when the devil stands up and goes, yield it to me, we're like, oh yeah, absolutely. Peace to you, man. You bring in peace, you can have all my freedom. I'm used to it. I've already been trained to do it because if I don't do it, I'm shamed. So I might as well do it. Trick number five. And I'll teach all this. I'm not just trying to politically preach to you. Trick five, he'll control the economy and freedom of thought. You won't be able to have free thought anymore. You'll be required to think like he thinks, say what he says, worship what he says to worship, bow when he says bow. And if you don't, you don't get anything. You don't get food, you don't get water. And that's already happened now. I mean, how weird is this? Trick five's already in it. You're not going to go to Monterey, Mexican. We shut it down. And how dare you, how dare you, Francine Hope, have a thought that's your own that doesn't comply with cultural norms. You better think like the culture and have not one, one independent thought because, Patty, you have an independent thought. You're a racist, you're a homophobe, you're a misogynist, you're a bigot, you're this and you're that. How dare you think any different than the prevailing culture of our day? And I'm like, what? Are we that stupid? And we think it's about liberalism, feminism, transgenderism. It's not about any of that. It's about a spirit of Antichrist already here working on the globe, getting us kind of waved into this stuff. Just, just come on and believe it. I'm tricking you into something. So he, and I read it to you at the beginning. He's already working all this now. It's just it doesn't feel so dirty right now. It doesn't feel so demonic right now. It just kind of feels like the government's trying to keep us all safe and we get vaccines. I mean, that's what they're doing. That's all I want. And, and hey, if they mandate vaccines, you're going to take a COVID vaccine? Yes. No, yes. Oh, why would you take a vaccine? The government's trying to kill your uterus will blow up. Oh, my God. No, I'm taking the vaccine. Praise God for the vaccine. Thank you, because if you don't, you're going to kill everybody else on the planet if you don't take the vaccine. And now we can't even agree about a vaccine. Why? Because I need to control freedom of thought and shame you into it so I can control you. And I'm working a plan. I'm the devil. I'm brilliant. Y'all just thought it was about COVID. It's not. Trick number six, there will be a disdain for anything called God. He will set himself up as God. There will be no religion. The only religion left on the planet will be him. We'll talk about that. And trick number seven, comply or die. And this is kind of feeling weird right now. Like comply or die. 
I feel like every time I log into the news, I get this, comply or die. You either do it our way or you die. Or if you're not, you need to be shamed that you're going to kill somebody else. Oh, yeah. Uh, right? I'm not trying to put down anybody's political beliefs. I don't care if you wear a mask. I don't care if you don't wear a mask. I don't care if you believe in COVID, don't believe in COVID, get a vaccine. No, I really don't care. What I would love you to do is wake up that there is a devilish antichrist that's working through politics, through religion, through Democrats, through Republicans, through world leaders, through fear, through disease, through money, through businesses, any way he can work to deceive us into forgetting who we are in Christ so that we live by fear and make it about me and my kingdom and my health versus God and his kingdom. And it's all about me now because that's part of the worldwide deception. And that is the end. <laughs> I love you. I bless you. I turn it over to Jennifer. Thank you so much for joining us on the Believer's Church YouTube channel. If you would like more information about Believer's Church, you can visit mybelieverschurch.com. If there is anything that you need prayer for, please email us at amen at mybelieverschurch.com. Be sure to check back next week for a brand new message.